Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Rick Stafford is no stranger to the Mon Valley and to the uh, southwestern Pennsylvania area. Grew up in Waynesburg. He's a former uh, radio station owner, I believe. He was uh, owner of a couple of radio stations in, in the Mon Valley area. And since June of 2006, he has been a distinguished service professor of public policy at Carnegie Mellon University's Heinz College. Recently, he's been taking some of his students on trips into the Mon Valley, including the McKeesport Homestead area, and now down into the Midmon Valley, what they call the Midmon Valley, Shalaroy, Denora, Monongahela. I wanted to talk to him about what his students are learning, why he's chosen in the Mon Valley for them to focus on and what sort of feedback that he's gotten from them. So good morning, Rick. Good morning. Good, good to be with you, Jason. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good to have you uh, with us. Yeah. And uh, some, as some people know, I, I was very privileged to get to meet with some of your students when they were here in McKeesport a couple of weekends ago. Tell me, first of all, what class are you teaching? Who are these students who have been uh, visiting out in the Mon Valley area? Well, yeah, the particular class um, is is basically focused on communities that, because of technological, economic, environmental forces, have um, have lost population mm-hmm. and uh, and are looking and forward to the future and trying to figure out what that future should be and how to how to grasp uh, a a vision um, and not only a vision but actually make things happen. So. Um, I got interested in this because I, I grew up, as you already introduced me, in, in Waynesburg, which is one of those rural communities that uh, has seen better times. Mm-hmm. My wife um, was a coal miner's daughter from Mason Town, uh, another community that's uh, that's been impacted by economic and, and technological changes in the coal industry, uh, in particular. And as you pointed out, we had been invested in the Mon Valley. And before coming, uh, returning to my alma mater, I should say, as a as a professor, um, I was deeply involved in um, economic development for the region. And so I've been intimately aware, not only from my personal experience, but from my professional role, how some of our communities um while Pittsburgh reputation, when you say Pittsburgh and other places, and people go, oh, it's a real comeback place, realizing that not everybody came back uh, from uh, the uh, impact that um, uh, the changes that really became most apparent in the early 80s from uh, the steel industry and the basic industrial base we had. But we're talking this morning with uh, Rick Stafford. He is a distinguished service professor of public policy at Carnegie Mellon University's Heinz College. Uh, and before that, you were CEO of the Allegheny Conference, weren't you? Uh, yes. For, which, which, for actually, for 
a number of years, yeah. Which has kind of a, a glorious past in, in helping to kick off the uh, Pittsburgh Renaissance, I, I believe, if I remember my history correctly, uh, in the post-World War II area. You, you also worked for th- uh, the late Governor uh, Dick Thornburg, correct? Correct. In both capacities, by the way, uh, I got involved in economic and community development. So um, so my purpose for coming back uh, to my alma mater was really to uh, – teach uh, a bit about the real world and how politics and policymaking works in the real world and how it both need to be understood, actually, in order to have an impact on um, changing the direction. Um, And and, uh, I I should emphasize that this particular course, I'm not dwelling so much in the politics, Mm -hmm. but we all know that politics is local. Um, And so what's really important many of the communities that we're looking at is for the leadership there uh, to be given an opportunity to um, wrestle with where investments can come from. So that brings me to one of the primary motivators that led to this course, and that is the federal funding that's come down during the year 2021. Now, it isn't here yet. It's got to be accessed. And in fact, many of the grant programs that have now been created by the president and Congress are competitive. So if we just apply that, for example, to the communities we're looking at, uh, the question becomes for say McKeesport, what, what, where are the opportunities in those uh, funding pools and how can we access them? Um, and that's a matter of um, public management, right? So I'm putting my students in the position of saying, hey, let's say you're working for the mayor um, where are the opportunities for uh, uh, investments that can benefit McKeesport? Or, or more broadly, in fact, since McKeesport shares this, some of the same issues with Clareton, with Homestead, uh, with uh, Monongahela, how can yeah. communities come together to actually strengthen um, themselves t- together by applying for some of the um, the investment funding that's available. And I should add that in my state capacity uh, years ago, um, that was one of the primary issues. How can we uh, promote investment in uh, new jobs, so jobs of the future, so to speak, but also in redevelopment? So the Redevelopment Assistance Capital Program was something I was very involved in creating um, back uh, in 1986, which provides funding that could be matched for some of this federal money. So it gets complicated, yeah. Jason, but yeah. but that's one of the reasons I'm asking my students to tackle this, because hopefully after they get their master's degree, they go out in the community like you <laughs> and take that expertise and, and apply it. Um, and so this is pretty real world stuff we're trying to deal with when uh, when uh, we're, we're um, looking at these individual communities with a kind of a deep dive into them. Well, whatever so. expertise I have is a mile wide and, a, and an inch deep. Uh, we're talking with Rick Stafford. He's a distinguished service professor at Carnegie Mellon University's Heinz College. And uh, his his classes, he's teaching a, a graduate school class in for to master's in public management uh, students who uh, have been studying the Mon Valley. This is not the first time you've done this either. You, you did this two years ago, three years ago. You took them out uh, to yeah. do some field work. Yeah, that was before the pandemic. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I must admit, the pandemic slowed some of this uh, 
opportunity down considerably. So with the with the new, we're we're now back in person. Uh, so it's been uh, uh, reinvigorated. And you were a gracious host the last time we were. <laughs> We're there as well. So. Apparently, not enough to do, or else I didn't move fast enough when the invitation came down. Uh, I'm just, I'm joking, of course. We have a 30 second break coming up, but before we take that, I, I want to ask what. what are the career paths? Was it something that we talk a lot about on this program, actually, are, are different career paths that people have taken. And what are career paths for someone in master's in public management? What, what kind of jobs do they end up uh, seeking out? Let me start at the local level. In, in fact, um, uh, the, the executive director of the Mon Valley Initiative is a graduate of uh, the program uh, in, in public management, um, as is the uh, director of economic development for Allegheny County. And uh, we've uh, placed uh, over the years any number of people who have, uh, some of whom have came from Pittsburgh in the first place and some of whom just came became in love with the region and wanted to stay. So we're very proud of the fact that um, that our graduates have been contributing to the uh, to the communities of southwestern Pennsylvania for some time. Secondly, and I'm I'm uh, uh, an example of that, mm-hmm. we place a lot of people in state government uh, in different positions. Um, and thirdly, we have a program um, where uh, many of our grads end up in federal government mm-hmm. um, and or uh, corporations, uh, you know, consulting firms, foundations that serve nationally. Uh, in fact, we have a program where you spend your first year in Pittsburgh and your second year in Washington, D.C. before you get your master's degree. So um, there's a variety of opportunities for graduates in, uh, fr- from the Heinz College. And in particular, I should one more plug, and that is by virtue of the fact that we're at Carnegie Mellon, there's um, uh, a lot of um, what I would call the current understanding of the digital world mm-hmm. of computer scientists that are science that our graduates uh, leave with. Uh, Lentz is a good place for us to pause right there. We're talking with Rick Stafford. He is a distinguished service professor at Carnegie Mellon University's Heinz College. Uh, he's teaching uh, master's students in public management, and they have been studying the Mon Valley, including uh, right here in McKeesport, where our studio is. We'll be back in 30 seconds. You're tuned to Two Rivers 30 Minutes on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City on Online radio. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. Uh, talking with Rick Stafford, uh, he is a distinguished service professor at Carnegie Mellon University's Heinz College. Uh, he's working with students who are studying some of the problems of deindustrialized communities and how best to access uh, especially federal resources that may be available for them. Uh, we tend to get siloed. And if you know if you live in McKeesport, you know you're focused on the problems in McKeesport. You live in Donora, Manesson, Coriopolis, wherever you're focused on your problems. Are, are the problems of these communities more or less mirrored 
across the country. So if, if I went to the outskirts of Gary, Indiana or Middletown, Ohio or Dayton, Ohio, would I see pretty much the same kinds of problems? Yes. And what are they, I guess, is the follow-up question. Uh, yeah. The, um, and, and then I'll, I'll explain why maybe we're, they're more aggravated in, in our region yeah. than in some of these other places. Mm-hmm. But um, what the phenomenon is basically this. Um, when a community grows up uh, around more or less a single industry, mm-hmm. right, where a huge portion of the employment is dependent on that single industry. Now, obviously, for us, uh, that's been steel. Mm-hmm. OK, um, but not, you know, there's there's other industrial segments as well. But steel was uh, so central to the economy upstream and downstream by the upstream i mean coal that's where that's where the coal went right yeah. um as well as to a lot of uh, coal driven electric uh, uh, electricity generators uh, but you know so if you take youngstown for example it's the same story yeah if you took gary it's the same story if you take st louis it may be a little different story but it was still uh, a pretty locked in to um, uh, a single, if you will, cluster that was, a, was, was subject to change from technology. Um, the, the technology for any particular industry has gotten smarter and smarter. That's how productivity per worker has changed. So this, the more the technology advances, the less workers you need. Secondly, uh, competitive um, economies. What we see in the world today, like it or not, it is far more globalized. Um, and that brings all kinds of complications for us as a country. But one of the things, complications is competitiveness. Yeah. So uh, depending on the segment on which that community has grown up, that competition has gotten fierce and fierce internationally. Um, and finally, Environmental has been very important, and I don't mean just air pollution and water pollution, but I mean the the even down to the idea that um, the environment uh, that a community has in, in the way of education, a quality of life. Right, uh, Carnegie Mellon was kind of in the forefront of or, uh, organizing thing something called the Metro Lab Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea, and, and uh, for example, South Bend, which the yeah. mayor at the time we organized was Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. right. Exactly. We've heard of him, Mayor Pete. Yeah, I met I met pa- Mayor Pete for the first time at a, a conference in Washington um, when he was still mayor because of the Metro Lab Network. Okay. So, so I I would say back to your question. Um, city. City, there are many, many cities that face the same thing. Now, on the other hand, um, there are other cities like Austin uh, or Orlando that mm-hmm. are facing a different set of problems, and that is sort of unbridled growth and, and, okay. and in some cases, undesirable growth. Um, and I've actually uh, done a little work uh, relative to both of those cities as examples. So, you, you not every city, I, I guess, has experienced that. And where we are, uh, just to bring it back home for a moment, uh, I think what we managed to do in the Pittsburgh region 
is diversify ourselves uh, so that, you know, there's not any one employer that if it disappeared would have the impact mm-hmm. that, uh, that the cutback in steel had uh, starting slowly in the 70s. But when the uh, early uh, part of the 80s, when we had a, a national recession and uh, steel was certainly not as much in demand, that, that really caused all those technological, economic, and environmental forces to like force decisions that we've got to close this mill, yeah. we've got to close that mill, and so on. Um, but now, when you look at some of the old mill sites, you'll see a whole diversified set of employers, and that's got to be our goal: is to continue to diversify. And that's where the magic for if there is magic, yeah. but for McKee's order or. Um, uh, you know, we we got to worry about uh, maintaining steel and then encouraging what is left yeah. to be modernized, right? Let, let so, me let me uh, uh, let me interrupt you for a sec because we're actually we have another another break coming up. The time goes quickly. In in these communities, do you see a, a lot of finger pointing? Because because one one of the things I, I often have seen over the my kidhood and into my adulthood is finger pointing. Well, if if only this person had done this, you know, the steel industry would have stayed in. Or in South Bend, Indiana, if only these people had done that, Studebaker would still be making cars here. Or in Sandusky, Ohio, they'd still be making plastic here or, or, or whatever. But it sounds to me like, you know, the the capital moved where the, and the technology moved where the technology needed to move, and and there probably wasn't much that any one individual or group in Waynesburg or Masontown or Uniontown or McKeesport was going to be able to do about that. In fact, there was a lot of finger pointing in the, say in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, un- sure. the unions did this. But, the know, politicians did that. U.S. Steel did this. LTV did that. You know, and it was their exactly. fault. It was that person's fault. But it doesn't yeah. sound like it's really that easy to place. So I, you know, as you have, I, living through that period, I saw finger pointing uh, as a huge phenomenon. Today, I don't see it. As okay. Much. okay. I mean, I think people are ready to look forward okay. and are ready to say, look, let's try to uh, capture the assets we have now um, and recapture some of the assets we've lost, some of our, you know, folks that have moved away. And, uh, you know, when I was just in Brownsville yesterday and, and uh, one of the key people uh, really enthused about that community moved back here. Mm-hmm. Right? And I said, hey, you moved back. Right. Uh, and putting a lot of energy into something called the perennial project. Uh, so I see a new attitude in, in the communities. Uh, there may be a tiredness of feeling to some extent of, well, you know, we're not really sure what that future is going to be, and but I don't see any finger pointing in any okay. significant way, and that's an, that's important because you got to get over that. I mean, politics, though. Coming back to that for a moment, um, I mean, we see that you know certainly at the national level, um, and uh, uh, that that doesn't get us anywhere. And right. I'm glad to say that or happy to say, I think I'm right about this, that the finger pointing in our region is a thing of the past, more or less. Let's let's pause and take our second break there. When we come back, I am specifically, as we say in Western Pennsylvania, nebby to understand what your stu- what kind of feedback your students uh, have about uh, their f- field trips into the Mon Valley, okay? 
Uh, Rick Stafford hey. is, our, is our guest this morning. He is a distinguished service professor of public policy at Heinz College. He's the former CEO of the Allegheny Conference on Community Development and is a past advisor to the late Pennsylvania Governor Dick Thornburg. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Uh, Rick Stafford is a distinguished service professor of public policy at Carnegie Mellon's Heinz College. We're talking about uh, some of the lessons that uh, he and his students have been uh, gleaning from studying the Mon Valley over the past few years. What is some of the feedback? I, I think we're always – perhaps Pittsburgh in general is – we're so hyper-focused on what do other people think of us. But I, I, maybe that's a human nature thing, but maybe it's a Pittsburgh thing. I don't know. What sorts of feedback do you get from students? What is students say after they visit Clareton or McKeesport or Homestead or Monongahela, wherever? I guess the first reaction is, oh, my God, you know, uh, we're glad we came because now we understand the community better. We understand um, both the uh, some of the really neat things uh, that we've seen and some of the problems that we've seen. So let me divide it that way. Um what with problems first? I mean, and this is obvious to all of us, uh, but it, it really comes home when you take somebody from out of town and bring them into town. I mean, um, I, I like to say, you know, uh, when you li- live somewhere somewhere day by day, you sort of start to, you know, no, not notice things. <laughs> so, so the 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 need for um, downtown and uh, residential. Uh, removal of blight in some instances and uh, the ability to not only remove the blight, but um, uh, replace it with something is so self-evident. And so uh, when I, many of the students have commented, this is the opportunity for some of that funding if it can be taken advantage of. Uh, And, and um, for example, Allegheny County does have um, already an existing um, if you will, blight removal program. I'm do- not doing justice to that uh, the title probably, but it could be multiplied uh, by a significant factor uh, by applying for some of the federal funds. So they see those pro- those problems, and and that one comes right to the surface. Um, the the flip side is they see these opportunities. Yeah. I, I mean, so impressed by, hey, look at this river. And in fact, um, sort of the super version of that would be, um, and, and of course there are organizations working, and this is not, but but from the students' point of view, they go, wow, you know, there could be a massive uh, investment up and down the rivers. And of course, I, I should say the city of Pittsburgh with river life, if you, um, Follow it closely. There has been a, a huge investment. Uh, the communities in Mon Valley have to sort of come together to pursue that together because, um, you know, just in the city, there's like 15, 16 miles of riverfront, basically all in the city, right? Mm-hmm. So they focused on that. None of these communities have 16 miles of riverfront in front of them. So you have to bring them together. 
Um, but the opportunity that the river presents for recreation, for uh, quality of life, um, for um, attractiveness to the community in general uh, has, has really come front and center. Uh, very impressed by, uh, geez, I, I can take a bike through a lot of yeah. these, you know, these communities. Um, so that that has come um, up many times as um, a, um, a special opportunity for for the communities we're talking about. Uh, another, but but on the other hand, one of the the problems with capitalizing on that because of the separate. And we're so all so familiar with this. So each of these communities get, grew up as its own corporation. Uh, so it's a much harder thing to bring yeah. bring yeah. together than than a city like Pittsburgh, where it has one council, one mayor for the entire area. Um, the other uh, issue that I, I think um, has really um, just been very apparent to the to uh, the students and and impressed because you know. Um, we, we like to think sometimes that younger people don't look backwards. They're fascinated by the history. Uh, and, uh, and we have, um, you know, a smog museum in Denora. We, you know, we have a, a, a Brownsville historic center and so on. And every one of these communities by virtue, they are historic, right? I mean, they are. And somehow capitalizing on that, um, and tourism is, you know, the same generator of spin-off jobs that a coal mine worker or a steel worker creates, right? You know, the multiplier effect is like phenomenal for for a, for a manufacturing job, uh, not so much for a service job, but yeah, but um, yeah. but still, that can be taken advantage of, and it's a special thing. I, I mean, there, there's not the same history in Houston that there is in in uh, the Mon Valley. We we are about out of time. Uh, what will be the work product? What what will your students produce okay. uh, at the end of this semester? Yeah, well, now this is always the hope of a professor, right? <laughs> not <laughs> not the guarantee, okay, but. Um, we actually all together we're looking at 20 different communities, and I should emphasize a couple uh, like um, Butler uh, are sort of out of the nexus, but most of them are concentrated in the conversation we're having right now. And uh, uh, for each individual community, um, a student is going to uh, basically develop a an initiative, a project, um, a need that they uh, have witnessed on behalf of that community and put together um, essentially a narrative uh, that would lead up to um, the ability to, to apply to a federal program, which they've identified. Uh, and by the way, there, it, it's, it's, it's suffice it to say that it's not an easy thing for everybody, an individual from the community to go and figure out this. So that's the challenge of the student. And they have to also make the case for the applicant. So like when I described that, that riverfront, it might not be a single Brownsville that applies for it. It might be a multi-community um, uh, uh, organization. Uh, so the bottom line is that in, in 15 words or so, they're going to identify an applicant that could apply for the funding, for the purpose of the funding. Um, and hopefully that will be the preliminary. It's sort of like if you thought of 
one of these students consulting with the mayor of McKeesport, uh, mayor, here, here, here's something we ought to go after, right? And um, broadband, by the way, I should have met, I was about to mention, comes front and center too. There's a lot of money for broadband and that, um, that could, school districts can apply for broadband. We are out of time. Rick Stafford is a distinguished service professor of public policy at Carnegie Mellon University's Heinz College. He helped direct the launch of the Traffic 21 and Metro 21 initiatives. You can find out more about Metro 21 by going to the website cmu.edu slash metro 21. And hopefully, Rick, we will see you and your students again down here uh, sometime soon in in McKeesport or Homestead or or Duquesne or Clareton. And when people uh, see you guys walking around with your notebooks asking questions, maybe they'll stop and say hello. Yeah, I hope so. It's a friendly valley. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for talking with us this morning, and thank you all for listening today to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. On Radio 81 WEO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.